So I pulled all of the ENFJs into one sheet, and now I have all of their traits. And what I did was I took the average. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna actually talk about we're gonna use one column as an example. Um, nose length. This whole time I'm gonna just talk about nose length. So and that's just one of the 55 traits, right? So I put all the NFJs into one sheet. And now we have the nose length of every single NFJ in that group of 600, which was about 20 NFJs, 20 ENFJs, sorry. And we also took the average of all ENFJs nose length. We also took the average of all nose lengths period from the entire data set. So then what we do is you take the average from that subgroup, the ENFJs, you take the average from the, the population as a whole, and you say um, that subgroup average nose length minus the population as a whole nose length, and you divide that number that you have by the standard deviation of the um, entire population standard deviation for nose length. Um, standard deviation is basically just like average difference. That's the way you could explain it. Anyways, I probably went a little bit too much into detail on how you do these basic uh, calculations. These, these are all like, this is what everyone does for every single scientific paper practically, is you figure out standard deviations, you figure out the average of the large population, average of the small population, then you use all those to get what we call an effect size. And so basically the larger an effect size, and you apply the effect size to like ENFJ nose length, and the larger the effect size, or the further from zero it is, um, the more significant it is. So that means if, if ENFJs have like really long noses, then it would be like, oh, wow, the effect size is a high positive number for ENFJs. Like, let's say it's one, that's really big. That means on average, ENFJs have a nose length that is one standard deviation higher than the average population. Um, so generally, we consider uh, anything above 0.1 to be a small effect size, anything above 0.3 to be a medium effect size, and anything above uh, 0.5 to be a large effect size. Um, and I did this with every single trait and every single personality type. And we got really solid results. Um, we saw a huge amount of patterns. This is basically an objective way to find patterns, right? It's no longer us just pretending that we know what we're talking about. Um, we found a huge amount of patterns. So that what that means is we got lots of large effect sizes for almost all the types, lots of uh, medium effect sizes for all the types. So what I also did was I calculated the p-value for this. So effect size is effect size is kind of uh, can be explained this way: how how big of a difference is this subpopulation given the trait we're talking about versus the population at large, right? So ENFJs have way longer nose. They don't actually, but we're just to say that they have way longer nose than the average population. That would be a large effect size. Um, and then so now we move on to p-value because we don't just want to see... Uh, so now if you have lots of large effect sizes, you see a pattern. But then now we want to say, well, what are the odds that if we're wrong, we would see that pattern anyways, right? Because a broken clock is right twice a day. So that's what a p-value is, is you're making sure you're not a broken clock that's right twice a day. Um, you say, given the null hypothesis, which is physiotype is bullcrap and does not work, what are the odds we would see this many large effect sizes? And so I calculated that for every single type. Um, and generally, I mean, this is a silly metric, but generally effect size or, or p-values of, so 
p-values of below 0.05 are considered good. It's completely arbitrary. And it's like, if you did a study of 6 billion people um, and you had a, a p-value of 0.08, that would be insanely amazing. Or even if you had a p-value of 0.2, that would be very good. But generally, because we're not testing 6 billion people, where you, know, you test dozens or hundreds of people, 0.05 means what are the odds of this happening uh, if you're wrong about your hypothesis? Well, 5%. Anyways, so we have that p-value for every single uh, type where we measured effect sizes. And um, it's great. Let me pull up the p-values here really quick. You're going to have to get so much of this, Alex. Sorry, I know I'm rambling. Honestly, the p-value or the p-values for every single type is um, really good. I think like the highest p-value we had was like uh, no, I think we had a p-value of like 0.1 or two. Um, okay, for INFPs, we only had four subjects. There was a few of those where we had very few subjects. Yeah, so the p so we had four subjects for INFPs, and we had 26 large effect sizes out of 55 possible chances, right? So you're basically mm-hmm. like, oh, what are the chances of getting a large effect size? And you do that 55 times, and you kind of do that math. But we only had four subjects. And so you have to take into account the effect size and the subjects. And so the p-value for INFP's uniqueness is 0.995. So that means <laughs> the odds of us getting that many, yeah, getting those results, or worse, actually, but getting those results is 99%. So it's like, no matter what, you're going to get seemingly good results with only four subjects. I think if we got 40 INFP's, it would match everything else and we'd have great effect sizes. But most of great p-values. Most of these p-values though are infinitesimal. They're like we're using ex, we're using negative exponential notation. Most of these p-values have 10 to 20 zeros before the the first number, right? So it's quite clear uh, we're onto something physically. Um, so basically what does this mean? Um, all it means so far is that our system of physically typing people is consistent.